keep tugging at our heels. Watch us high step and be a highlight reel of how high we get. The ghost riders off the ramp, how we live defies death. Put a conscious in the genre box, stamp a certified fresh. Bad boys beyond G depths. You couldn't fathom what we plan to do next. Turn the music on and said power bomb suplex. Welcome to the Free Range Basketball Podcast. I'm Kyle McEwen. You can find me on Twitter at RotoKyleNBA. And today I'm joined by Mike Katrin. Mike, is it Katrin or Katron? How do I say it? I always, I always get it wrong. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I always get your last name wrong, so I think this is super fair uh, for the tables to turn. Uh, I say Katrin because my family is originally from Kentucky, so they talk a lot Katrin, but it's uh, it's Katron, Katrin. It all works for me. It looks like Katron, so, but. That's the Katrin. cool way of saying it. Okay. Well, thanks for joining me today, Mike Kat, Katron. Uh, you can find Mike on Twitter at watch the boxes. Um, Mike, you also host your own podcast called watch the boxes. Um, do you want to tell everybody about that or about yourself before we kind of get into uh, everything else? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Uh, uh, I would assume it overlaps with your audience uh, uh, being the reason that we know each other is uh, fancy basketball podcasting. Uh, the watching the boxes podcast. Uh, we just put out an episode. Um, I think, uh, well, this is Monday, so today, the 16th, we have like four, five weeks, probably four weeks until the last drafts are going out. Uh, I'm sure you are got a lot on your plate in the next four to five weeks, uh, but we're going to be just throwing podcast after podcast out to prepare people for the draft. Uh, me and uh, Tyler P. Watts, uh, we've been doing this for, it's going to be our fifth season podcasting uh, for the Watching the Boxes podcast. So uh, if you guys like Fantasy basketball, which I assume a lot of these listeners on your on your podcast do, uh, go check us out. You can find us where all podcasts are listened to. Any any application you want. All right, um, I didn't even do all my salesmanship stuff to start the podcast, but I don't really care. If you uh, if you are listening to this, you probably know that you can find me on Twitter at RotoKyleNBA, and if you would like to subscribe, rate, review the podcast wherever it is that you listen to it, that would be a huge help. Thank you so much. You can also find us on Patreon at Free Range Basketball, Mike. Uh, you are a Bulls fan, so I do want to cycle back around and talk Bulls, but there's so much breaking news going on right now with the NBA with the fact that the teams have been allowed to now start having trades or at least we're getting we're – getting, we've been getting announcements as of Sunday in regards to certain trades like Dennis Schroeder getting traded to the, the Lakers, Danny Green and uh, the Lakers' first-round pick, and this draft coming back, that's going to be the 28th pick. What do you think about that trade? Does is Dennis Schroeder going to end up being the starting point guard for the the Lakers, or like, uh, or are they going to keep keep having LeBron be the the starting point guard there? I don't. Uh, I mean, I think we've seen enough of Dennis Schroeder's like career to know that he is not like a first guard starting guard on on any team because he really hasn't been uh, that on any team he's been on. They tried that for a while and. Atlanta and um I mean it just didn't work out he's not a great defender um and quite frankly like I think getting a Danny Green leaving and getting Dennis Schroeder is an overall net loss for the Lakers I think Danny Danny Green's a, a good wing defender and can hit some threes Dennis Schroeder needs to pound the ball in order to be effective yeah and I mean the the role that Schroeder was in on the Thunder this last season was really good for him. I think playing behind Chris Paul, he he was arguably the the, the main other ball handler, or main other point guard 
um, because Shea Gildas Alexander was more in a, a scoring role and an off guard or a scoring guard role. So it's it's cool now to see that having Dennis Schroeder leave the Thunder and then also the Chris Paul trade that happened on Monday where Chris Paul got sent to the Phoenix Suns and the Suns sent back uh, Ricky Rubio to the Thunder, Kelly yeah. Oubre, Jalen LeCue, and then I believe a, a draft pick from the first-round draft pick from the 2022 draft. Yes. Um, that's, that's two point guards leaving the Thunder – that would a lot of people would look at that and go, okay, SGA, Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be handed that starting point guard role. Um, but you've got Ricky Rubio coming back to the Thunder, and you really don't know if that means that Ricky's going to end up staying there and being a being the starting point guard for the team. Because if he's there, he's going to be the starting point guard for the team, and they're just going to continue to run SGA off on the side, you would suspect. Or is is another team going to step up and and try to get Ricky to come play for them. I think that's what's going to be wild about the next like two weeks is that we are compartmentalizing an entire um, off season into like 15 days. And uh, it's good. It's, I think it's going to be wet and wild. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of draft picks uh, traded here on Wednesday. I think uh, the, the signings are going to be the real kickoff of everything. Um, I know these these trays that Oklahoma City's uh, wheeling and dealing, which I think is a good idea to get in front uh, of the free agency if you know what you want to do. And OK City has about 33 first-round draft picks in the next like five years, so that was probably a good move on their part. Um, I think they could do anything. They can move Daniel Gallinari. Rubio might not be on the team. Uh, I think like SGA is probably one of the few pieces on that team that is uh, isn't going anywhere. Uh, which is why, uh, you know, if you look at it from a fantasy perspective, he ran real well as a, as a second guard, and I think they just keep giving him more responsibility. Uh, SGA, in my opinion, is going to be, you know, probably a top fifty player next year. Yeah, I think he'll obviously be, a, or he should should obviously be a top fifty player uh, in, in standard fantasy leagues next season. SGA should. And that's it's going to be aided by the fact that Dennis Schroeder's gone. Even with Ricky Rubio coming in, Rubio's not going to command as many shots as Schroeder or as many shots as as Chris Paul did. So that's going to help open up the door for SGA. Uh, Kelly Kelly Oubre coming to the Thunder. He's just got one more year on his contract. He should have an opportunity to thrive on the Thunder. So his dynasty value is is stepping up for at least this year. Um, and, and I'm definitely going to be targeting Kelly Oubre if he falls to a nice spot in drafts because he should get, you're expecting a lot of minutes. It is a new, a new head coach for the thunder. So we don't know exactly what his rotations are going to look like, but the thunder have traditionally as a, as an organization been willing to play their key guys, their core, uh, stars, big minutes. And Kelly Oubre is going to be a key guy for them, unless they end up looking at him as another person who they, they won't be able to resign. So they're going to end up flipping him in the middle of the season as well. It's a, that's a big, maybe I think Kelly Oubre fits exactly what that team needs. They haven't had a, a really good modern small forward in, in quite some time since, since KD left. So um, I, I do love Kelly Oubre's fit on the Thunder, and he's somebody to watch for fantasy. SGA will take another step up. It will be limited in the regards to his distribution duties if Ricky Rubio is still there, though. And um, the other guys to kind of keep an eye on is whether or not Danny Green sticks with the Thunder. And if he does, I don't really think that that matters that much for fantasy. I think Danny would still be in kind of the same role that he was with with the, with the Lakers last year. 
But um, Darius Baisley, of course, you're going to watch with the Thunder this year. If if Daniel Gallinari signs with another team, that's going to open the door for Baisley to potentially be the starting power forward there. But there's still he's got a lot of uh, he's got a lot of rough edges uh, coming out of his rookie season. But he, he's shown some some flashes too. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch much Darius Baisley. Just a little. He's very he's at least interesting, right? Like I think that's one of the. Um... One of the things I miss most um, and that I'm uh, semi-excited about the new regime uh, with the Chicago Bulls is that um, I have a feeling they're going to start bringing in interesting players. What I mean, that's how low the uh, Chicago Bulls franchise had gotten is that like really like pretty much everybody on the team, they're not terribly interesting. Like maybe Wendell Carter Jr., I like him a lot. Lowry's at least interesting, but those are like your first round draft picks. They should be interesting. There's no, um, you know, Darius's or just kind of like, are they good at 22, 23 type of players, uh, young players that are uh, exciting on the Bulls? So it's like, yeah, I'm interested in all all sorts of young, the, the younger guys. Um, like, uh, like, okay. And especially the OKC. Cause like, I feel like if you want to look at a rebuild for many team, okay. C fucking did it. Uh, the bulls couldn't get back a first round draft pick, um, without giving one up for Jimmy Butler, but Russell Westbrook, uh, and Paul George, they ended up with, uh, owning the next maybe decade. Let's talk about your bulls. Um, and kind of in depth here, they, who they got a new president, uh, of operations or president basketball president. They got a new coach, um, with Billy Donovan. What do you, who do you want to be on this team? Who do you want the new regime in Chicago to want to be the core? Who do you want Arturis Karnasovas, the, the president, who do you want him to be focused on building the team around from this, this roster? Because new guy, he didn't draft any of these dudes. They, th- he's not beholding to anybody on this roster, but who do you want him to look at and say, no, 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 he's a, he's a core piece of what we want to build around. Well, more so that who, you know, he's not beholding on this roster. I'd like to see him not be beholden to anyone who owns the team. Um, good franchises. And I think the bulls nationally, like if you're local, you know this, but uh, nationally um, is low key, low key. One of the worst run franchises in the league. Um, and I, and I, I would even put them against the Knicks and the Kings and, and I would put them at the bottom, uh, because there is nepotism from top to bottom. Um, the things that I'm liking about a, a tourist's like, kind of like a tenure so far is that he, he cleaned house and you're seeing like, you know, Mo, I'm, I'm kind of interested in like the fact that they're bringing in Mo Cheeks. They're bringing in more than like, a, like two scouts. Hey, that's a great idea to have more than two scouts on an NBA team. Um, they're they're building actually an actual uh, organization uh, around um, you know developing a franchise versus just like Gar Foreman falling asleep at uh, 7:30 p.m. not picking up phone calls in Paxton still writing off the fact that he drafted Kurt Heinrich like yeah. the fact that we are like took that long to enter into a new era showed uh, as the uh, for the first time in many 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 years since pretty much the Jordan years um, even when the Bulls were bad they would sell out and they'd be one of the highest attended um, like teams in the entire league they'd be in the top three almost every year and about four ish years ago that started to drop and that was sadly um, 
a Reinsdorf owned team. If there's any White Sox listeners out there, you would know. Um, the bottom line is always seems to be the most important thing uh, with that. So the fact that they are allowing our tourists to have free reign uh, for the most part that I've seen, at least to this point, is a positive sign. You guys have hope for the first time in a long time, because if you do have a bad ownership group, it makes it entirely impossible to have a good team most of the time. So that's why you've seen the Clippers always, even when they have brief blips on the radar of being good, they've they've struggled for so long. Now, granted, Balmer's made a lot of changes there, and then that whole narrative could change if, if Kawhi actually wins a, a championship next year for the Clippers. But I, I know for different even being a Pistons fan I, I got sick of the ownership group over the last 10 years or so because the previous yeah. ownership group wasn't interested in running owning the team the new ownership group just doesn't really seem to have their their hooks in it or they they were too they were almost two hands off uh with with Tom Gores so but regardless the the hope that there's there for the Bulls which players do you want them to actually put their hope in for for the uh the future going forward yeah man imagine being so damn rich you're not interested in owning an NBA team that's that's pretty uh, that's what I always find r- ridiculous with uh you know on, uh, the, these ownerships that don't seem to take for granted that they have one of the coolest you know jobs in the entire world um and and that's what i hope arturis is allowed to do uh i think when he looks at the when he looks at that bulls roster um i i I have like a trust in him which is a a new word to use with the bulls um and i think anyone and everyone on that roster um is expendable for the right price i don't think there is a franchise player there there's probably two only two players that I would be interested in seeing what we got because I don't think you can properly evaluate them. So you might not be able to get the right price back for that type of person. And that would be Lowry marketing and Wendell Carter Jr. Other than that, everybody else on that team either doesn't fit the timeline, um, has an absurdly bad contract, um, or isn't good. So like when you say an absurdly bad contract, are you – referencing like Zach Levine's because a lot of people say that his contract is bad. And I know that a lot of people were like 20, 20 million for Zach Levine, but like, it's really not that bad. And he's, he's such an efficient scorer that I think, I think he gets underrated in some respects because yeah, there are definitely issues with his defense, but like he knew he wasn't competing on this team with the coaches, the coach that he had and in the organization that he's been in. If, if he's actually in a competitive situation, I wonder if we do see more focus from Zach Levine, less of the I don't give a crap um laissez faire defense that that he has sometimes. Um well, so I and and beyond that, final point about it, just that Zach Levine's such a good scorer that like you, you should have other players worried about being your your primary defenders, not him. Yeah. I would agree with that you got to build from like the middle out. You don't necessarily like, you know, there's plenty of teams that have um, solid, uh, okay defenders who are like offensive forward. Like Dame's like an, a pretty decent defender uh, and an absurd offensive guy. Curry is a pretty decent defender and absurd offensive guy. Zach Levine isn't a decent defender though. Um, I, I, his contract is like, it's nine, nine and a half uh through it's this year and next year so there's only two years left he's 25 years old actually that's i think that's a fairly fair contract 
uh, Otto Porter's contract's like miserable, and Felicio's bad, and has a miserable contract. So like those are kind of like what the two that I think of when I think of bad contracts. Um, but was that was Zach Levine like? Where where is this defensive improvement going to come from? I saw, and uh, granted, I, I I'm kind of with you with giving trying to give like a benefit of the doubt. The worst coach in maybe NBA history, probably in NBA history, um, running. I don't. I, I'm not really sure what was ran. I I don't remember seeing plays ever run out of out of the timeouts. I remember watching about 13 games in a row uh, be lost in the fourth quarter last year. Um, there was no coaching there. He is a miserable coach, and not only is he bad at like X's and O's, but he's bad at like motivating players to do anything. I mean, there there literally was a article written that said uh, uh, that had mutiny, the word mutiny in it, which I don't think I've ever seen. Talking about Jim that. Boylan. Yes, Jim Boylan uh, spurred a player mutiny where they were like, "I don't really want to play basketball anymore." If you're the coach, that's that's pretty incredible. Um, so I'm going to give him a bit of the doubt that maybe under uh, Billy Donovan, under a good system, under a good coach, under a, uh, an organization that seems to actually give a shit, because the, the, ev- there continues to be these little leaks uh, every once in a while where like Boylan was just demanding players never take a mid-raise jump shot, even if they're wide open. And it's like, th- okay, there's a – where did you like get off the, the uh, advanced metrics bandwagon like 10 years ago, like when it first came out? Like because that's – this uh, uh, open, wide open, sixty percent mid range jump shot still uh, a good jump shot. Like I, right, yeah. You know, no, I'm gonna and, give and him credit. I'm gonna. I, I like to see what he has this year. But like, as F. Levine doesn't improve his defense, he's the best six man in the in the NBA. That's well, his- and I did see something that is. is- in the Bulls offense this year, you're going to see more mid range work from Zach Levine, which you know that he can do that because he's he's just a bucket getter from all across all all over the floor. So, um, Kobe White. Ah, I like Kobe White. Okay, so you're fine. Okay, you're fine with Kobe White. You're you're open minded to Zach Levine, but you're not you're you're not in love with him based on all the kind of like annoying things that have happened with him being on the team so far. Yeah. And he's also trying to watch him run an offense last year. He's a bad decision maker. He just is. Um, there was plenty of games where um, he was carrying them uh, completely offensively and then making the mistakes on defense or making bad decisions to lose the game too. So it was kind of weird. You're just pretty much watching a Zach Levine show. I don't want to watch a Zach Levine show. I just I want to blame everything on Jim Boylan's crappy rotations. And you can you can blame everything on that. So if you want. That's fine. because the 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 fact that Wendell Carter Jr. in his second season went they went away from using him as a facilitator when he has passing skills yeah, at least yeah. in the high post and it's just like you're you're not you're not even trying to get these guys involved in the offense or you're not you're not you got to work with what you got in some respects, especially when you're working with young guys who have, you know, a, a more limited repertoire than, than what you're going to get from, yeah. from, from the uh, vets. Um, all right. Well, you, uh, you, you seem you still seem like a uh, browbeaten a little bit being a bulls fan. It's like, you don't want to put your, you don't want to put your, uh, your hope chips in. No, yet. you're, if you're a Chicago sports fan, you don't, get too excited about it. Like the, the, there's always these, like you, you don't put up a shit like from other like cities. Right. But like, you never get like super hopeful because there's always disappointments always around the corner. I feel like new England fans in the, the, the Boston area, they think their team uh, shit don't stink. And in Chicago, 
we think our shit stinks, even if we're like, you know, playoff contenders. Like it's just like, yeah, we're probably losing the first round. We'll probably hit the our kicker will probably hit the post five times in a row. Um, like it's always shit like that. There's a couple minor transaction things for the Bulls on Monday. Uh, they picked up the or they extended a qualifying offer to Denzel Valentine for 4.7 million, which is pretty big qualifying offer. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that they gave that to him because they, the bulls did not extend a qualifying offer to Chris Dunn. So Chris Dunn's an unrestricted free agent. He can go sign wherever he wants now. And uh, Denzel Valentine, he can, he can get uh, offer sheets from other teams, but the, the bulls will have the, the right of uh, first refusal on any contract that he would come to uh, agreement with, with another team. Otherwise Valentine can just accept the 4.7 million qualifying offer and play out this year with the bulls before becoming an unrestricted free agent himself. Yeah. I think at first you might be like, well, why the hell would you extend Denzel and not Chris Dunn? Uh, and that's if you're looking at this year, I think if you're looking in the long term, which I hope you know AK is, uh, this move makes a lot more sense. Potentially, you you know, 4.7 isn't terribly high. Uh, it's not it's not great, right, for Denzel who hasn't proven to do anything. But you know, he's also been hit, uh, hindered by injury. So you know, if you see what you get, maybe get something better, or somebody offers him more, you can just let him go. Uh, but Chris Dunn at his age, uh, I mean, I guess he's not that old. He's like what 26, 27. Um, but as a as a completely non-factor um, on offense and a very like top you know top of the I think top of the league guard defender, um, letting him go um, because you're targeting the future and probably tar- targeting a playmaker guard in the draft. Um, I think that's fine. It's a little weird to me that uh, Arturis Karnasovis. I don't know how to say his name correctly. I, I apologize. Um, but it's it's intriguing to me that he's essentially just washing his hands of Chris Dunn and saying, look, we're going to focus on other players. It makes me feel better about Kobe White's role on the team. Zach Levine, obviously, yeah. if he's still on the team. Um, and the Denzel Valentine situation is the fact that he's a 6'7 forward who played point guard in college and averaged, like I believe he – averaged the most assists in the NCAA uh, in his second season. So it was like over seven a game. Yeah, he was very versatile. I think that was – he was a Michigan State guy, I believe. So so I look at Valentine, and I'm like, he's another guy on, these, on this Bulls roster that's just – he's been hurt by the fact that he's been injured uh, over the course of his career so often, but also in those times where he's been available to play, he's been miscast or misused or just – improperly utilized like if, if you got a guy that's got that size who can shoot off the dribble theoretically and be also a, a secondary ball handler if nothing else like why wouldn't you be using him in in, in at least a, a rip and run kind of way where you're saying okay you can go get the rebounds and just you know shoot up the court to kind of speed up the pace but and and maybe that's what we'll see from from billy donovan especially if the team is just tired of of the auto porter situation and I don't know if Otto Porter is going to legitimately be healthy this season and, and, and whatnot. I fucking hope so. Uh, maybe they could get him, 
he can play really well for two months and they can trade him to some, uh, some contender or somebody who wants some to get rid of some cap space. I don't know. It would be great if they could get something for that. I, I highly, I mean, the, the best outcome for me for your bulls would be for them to play so well that, and for auto Porter to be healthy, that you guys make the playoffs this year. That'd be great. And, and you know, the upward trajectory has, has then started because Wendell Carter jr. Should do a lot more for this team. Lowry Markinen, you should either, we'll find out what he is. Either he's going to, you know, bounce back and thrive with Billy Donovan and, and they'll, they'll put him in the spots to be successful. Or we're going to see that the, the kind of uh, bashful Lowry marketing that was, I guess, went back into his shell last year. If, if he can break out of it uh, and, and play more like he did in his rookie season. Yeah, I think you can happily blame that on Boylan. I think uh, I think you can blame a lot on Boylan, but even this particularly, I'm I'm for blaming on Boylan because I don't think he was running plays for him. I don't think he was putting him in the right spots. I think he was trying to control every single player and how they played basketball instead of letting them play basketball uh, and and play to their strengths. Uh, I was actually really hopeful when the very first game last year they ran like two uh, pick and pop uh, from the from the from the top. Of the, of the three-point line, and Larry uh, hit both of the threes, and then he went off for, like, I don't know, like 25, 30 that game, I think. And then uh, he proceeded to shoot, like, 30% for the rest of the year. It was really sad. That first game really got me excited. It's um, It'll be interesting just to see exactly how everything spills out with, with, the, uh, with the Bulls under – under uh, Billy Donovan, because from a fantasy perspective too, just really quickly, Billy Donovan's willing to play his, his main guys, big minutes, or at least he was on the thunder. So we can end up seeing Zach Levine and maybe some other one or two other guys playing 36, 37, even 38 minutes, a lot of nights. And, and that's awesome for fantasy. So yeah, don't get me wrong. I am excited about Billy Donovan. I'm excited about the hires they made. Uh, I am excited about the Bulls, uh, whether I sound pessimistic or not. That's just inherent. Um, and other people that I know in Chicago are too. And that's uh, the first time I've heard something positive about the Bulls in probably three years. So there's like a lot of NBA news that we could continue to talk about. Do you want to just keep going with different things like Chris Tapps for Zingas? He's going to miss the start of the season. Uh, sure. the, the Mavs are targeting January 1st for his uh, being cleared to for on-court activities, which I don't know if that means that he'll be playing in games then, or if that means that he'll be cleared to start ramping up for games. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Let, uh, I'm, I'm down to go in any direction you want. Is If there's any really uh, juicy... You're, you're obviously discounting Chris Stapps now, and like, I mean, I don't even know where I'd consider taking him, because I don't know how much risk I want to assume... But then again, saying January 1st, it sounds like a long time, but the season's starting on December 22nd. So maybe Chris Stapps is only out for the first month at most. Um, and then when he comes back, the, 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 the problem also to consider is the fact that there's going to be a crap ton more back-to-backs this season. Yes, and I think that's going to be one of the – actually, we talk about this on the Watching the Boxes podcast. Check out that plug. Um, that's our first episode. We talk about how weird this season is going to be and, um, the truncated schedule, the more back to backs. Um, and we talk about like how to set up your league, maybe to like adhere to uh, a more favorable 
like fun playing experience. So we, we don't get into like super X's and O's on this episode. We kind of were like, hey, maybe you should do a, a Rota League with games limits because maybe a team's going to miss an entire week uh, due to COVID because they all get COVID um, yeah. and they have to quarantine. So people are just going to lose weeks for no reason. That's not fun. That doesn't sound fun to me. You do a games limit, you do 72 games, you get to figure out how you play 72 games. Um, like I, I'm trying to suggest ways to uh, um, adjust not just the, you know, your your strategy going into the draft. So like maybe you don't take three players from, from Philly because once again, if they all get COVID, uh, you don't get their stats. But also like try to make the game um, change the way you play the game. Um, maybe even have a shallower roster or more bench spots. Uh, unlimited IR is something that Tyler always uh, harps yeah. on. Been harping on that for years. Um, so it, it, there's tons of ways to uh, adjust to having an actual like fun fantasy basketball experience this year, um, even if the the NBA is going to be maybe not as um, consistent. Um, and then also, players sitting back to backs is going to be, I think, rampant. Building in like uh, fail safes for for unfortunate situations like when i tried to institute um an extra injury slot for the the suspensions of john collins and deandre Ayton last year i got so much kick like uh flack from from the couple of leagues that i was running where i where i'm i'm trying to sit there and i'm like i'm like wouldn't you like doesn't this just seem fair like no i mean i don't know may i guess a lot of people just maybe thought that hey they're cheaters so you know <laughs> that's what you get for drafting a cheater but um yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so the Chris Tapps thing, that's that's pretty big news. Just because if nothing else, that's going to be something that if he does drop in your draft, you're going to have to really take a hard look at spending a late third round or maybe a, a fourth or – man, that would be crazy if he did drop to the fourth or fifth round uh, just because of concerns around it. Because January 1st, more, you know – the more I'm sitting here just thinking about it, I'm like, it's not that long. And if you pick the right injured players who are going to come back and tr- contribute, um, you you can definitely capitalize on it. But again, uh, the potential missing back to backs all season, just because like the fact that Chris Tapps has now had multiple knee injuries, uh, I think is a, a, a very, very big possibility. Uh, Robin Lopez declined his $5 million player option which is kind of crazy because I mean, John Hollinger came out on Twitter and said, where's he going to get more than 5 million? He's going to get like veteran, the veteran minimum must be somewhere or else. I don't think he would have opted out or maybe they are Milwaukee's playing the salary game. uh, Since they have both brothers up there. Um, Maybe there's some sort of uh, under the table uh, dealing going on there perhaps. But uh, I'm sad that they broke up the low press brothers. I think that was a really fun thread in Milwaukee. It was a cool little thing, just because, it, especially if they if they had won the championship last year, then you could have had the whole Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo bros thing. Um, and then the fact, I mean, that's what that's what the Bucks were trying to do was just to show that they care as an organization about family, which is why they brought in Robin Lopez because he didn't really make that much sense as a backup center for them when they when you already had his brother as the starting center. Like it's just. It doesn't yeah, make sense. Yeah, he's kind of just a uh, – I mean, he's thicker. Uh, I, I, I have a lot of respect for Robin Lopez's tenure uh, with the Bulls. He was uh, – he played his ass off every night. He he always uh, tried, which is uh, – uh, Thibodeau, sp- though, sadly. right? 
He no, I think he came in under. Um, God, there's been so many. <laughs> there's been so many damn coaches uh, with Chicago. Uh, I've already forgotten this idiot's name. Uh, he was all. He was never given a chance, and he also was um, suspiciously miserable. Um, what's this guy? What's this guy? He coaches in Iowa, or he did? I can't think of his name. I don't know. In Iowa, that was uh, your guy's name. Yeah, yeah. Hoiberg. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why I could um, think of Hoiberg's name after yelling it in, yeah, uh, in disdain for three years. But, I mean, probably not a big thing, but I do wonder if if some other team is, like the Knicks, going to promise Robin Lopez money or maybe even the Hornets. I mean, some dumb team. I don't know who needs them. I, don't, I is, couldn't tell you one team who needs them. I, uh, I, I or maybe he just wanted to get away from Milwaukee. Maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe he was like, you know what? It's it was fun playing with my brother for a year, but like you know, we're not, not that standard. fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeremy Grant uh, had de- has declined his nine point three million player option with the Nuggets. That was expected. Most no people thing. are projecting that Grant will just end up re-signing with the Nuggets, but he's an unrestricted free agent. Grant is going to get interest from a lot of teams, being that guy who can both stretch the floor and provide some rim protection as a, uh, as a power forward. He's in, I think an exciting, probably like if you think about the casual fan underrated player, uh, just because he hasn't had a lot of limelight. He hasn't uh, been like, you know, well, probably more people know who Otto Porter jr. Is than uh, Jeremy Grant, but I like, and he's young, isn't he? He's like 25. Is that right? He's young. Sorry, who? Grant? Oh, yeah, he's only yeah. like 26. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, 26. Um, yep. He's like the quintessential 3 and D guy, and every team needs that, and that's at a premium. Makes perfect sense for him to try to go get that money. Well, Grant well, Grant has a, a really long wingspan. He's 6'9". He's got, he's got, I believe he's got an over 7-foot wingspan as well. So he's, got, he's someone who, with his versatility and ability to move on the floor, he can guard all those big wings – like a LeBron, like a Kawhi. Uh, he has the size to guard a guy like Anthony Davis too some. So there, the, yeah, the versatility that Grant offers on defense and the fact that he's con- he's continued to solidify himself as a, a legitimate three-point shooter or at least a competent one, um, that's – he's, he's, he's exactly what you want on a team, especially in this modern NBA where you have – James Harden, uh, uh, Luka Doncic doing these things where they are uh, just ball handling, ball ball handling, ball handling, and you want these guys that are just hanging out in the corners or on the wing, and and they're not trying to do any extra ball handling themselves or take a bunch of shots. They're they're happy to play the 3 and D role, and that's Jeremy Grant. That's an important role. They spread the floor out, give him more driving lanes, uh, and then they can also guard one of the better players on the other team. He, There's not a team in the league who doesn't need Jeremy Grant. Um, I actually wouldn't say he resigns with Denver. I think somebody well, gives him money. I, the, but the, the one thing about the Nuggets is that with Paul Millsap potentially leaving in free agency too, can you turn down my volume on your side a little bit? I'm just hearing oh. myself a little bit. Really? I yeah, I don't fun. know why. That's crazy. Um, but uh, yeah. That, so there might be that 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 open starting job at power forward for Jeremy Grant with the Nuggets, and if that's there, then he he might 
look at that situation and go, well, I know I'm starting. I we're we got deep into the playoffs last year. This is just a great situation. Um, you know, the other guys on the team are all still young like me in, in a lot of respects. So I, I do think it's a great situation there, but it's yeah. a cool city, man. Denver is a cool place to be. I love Denver. It, uh, I don't know how much players like living there though. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's closer to LA. So, I mean, if you're a super filthy rich, like you live wherever you want. So, and there, I mean, honestly, this, I mean, let's, if you want to talk about like super filthy rich, like they're obviously millionaires. They're, they're most of them. They're very rich. Um, and that's like really nowhere close to like the owners, the executives, all those people who, who probably don't even live on the, like they live on in an apartment building in New York and they have an apartment building in London. And like, like the, even NBA players can't afford how, how uh, nice of a life those, those people live. They're, they're actually poor compared to the owners, which is, I, was, I always wonder why fans side with, the owners in, in disputes oh, yeah, instead of the sense. players. And I think that mood's changed in the last few years um, where people used to be like, why don't you just shut up and play? It's like, well, no, I mean, like they're workers. Like they, uh, they certainly, and they have a union. That's literally the point oh. of the union. So. And the argument would always be to, to like your point, the argument would always be all oh, these millionaires complaining about playing basketball. And it's like, well, it's these billionaires complaining about making a few extra million dollars off of all of these other millionaires. Like, yeah. Like it's they're they're all they're, just none of them need what they're arguing for necessarily, but I it's the, also the, supply and demand. They're the only people yeah. who can play at this level. They bring exactly. in that type of revenue. Um and that's how negotiations and collective bargaining works, and it works for them. Um I, I do think the owners uh sometimes get the upper hand on profit sharing and stuff like that. Um but like you should collectively bargain for your wages. Uh, I think that should apply to all professions if you wanted to uh, dabble into that discussion. But, like, I think that should apply to everyone. The Bulls have the fourth pick, don't they? The Bulls? They have the fourth pick? Um, still, yes. I think Who, do you, want to, who do you want them to take? Um, I, think they should, I think they should trade it. I think they should trade down. Uh, but yes, if Who not, do you want them to take? I, I mean, I, I, I want them to take Ball. I actually think uh, Lonzo Ball is. If not, if the Bulls are Lonzo. taking Lonzo Ball, though, they're getting rid of Zach Levine, right? Lamelo Ball. Yeah, I think so, and I think that's fine. Like, if if Lamelo Ball falls to them uh, at four, I think it's a no brainer to take him because he's probably one of the two guys in this draft, uh, Lamelo, with like kind of like top tier, like potentially all star level talent if everything falls correctly um which is a big if um and then it's exactly what the bulls need they need somebody to handle the handle the ball so i think he just fits ideally and if that's the case then kobe's kind of like the the weirdly the one two and and lamello's the two one or however you want to it doesn't really matter positions don't matter anymore right well i mean kobe's six four so he's not exactly a small guy either right no, no, he's uh, with his uh, hair. I think he's six five, at, at least. Um, guy's hair. Trying to think of any other big, big news. I mean, we didn't really talk about how the Suns are affected by Chris Paul going there uh, and by Kelly Oubre leaving, but Chris Paul steps into the, the Ricky Rubio role, plays probably a few more minutes, and then you're still looking at Devin Booker being 
the usual Devin Booker that he's been the last couple seasons, maybe playing with Chris Paul, uh, a better shooter than Ricky Rubio, and still just as good of a passer, maybe yeah. that does open the floor even more for Devin Booker than, than what Rubio was helping to do. Um, and any any of that interior passing that Rubio was offering in regards to helping get DeAndre Ayton into being more of a, a consistent and useful contributor, you're still going to be able to get that out of Chris Paul, and you would hope even better uh, um, production from DeAndre Ayton in regards to them actually getting him to the foul line this season, uh, which was a, a big hole in his game last year. Yeah, that would be ideal, especially since I think he's a fairly decent free throw shooter. Uh, I think Aiden really is the biggest benefactor here. Uh, Aiden is very good, both fancy wise and just I think in the NBA as well. He's made for the modern to be a center in the modern NBA, um, uh, unlike our good friend Robin Lopez. Um, I Chris Paul makes everybody better, and you yep. might hate Chris Paul because I think everybody does uh, because he's such a psychopath when it comes to uh winning and you know uh yelling at, uh telling the refs about people's shirts not tucking and shit like that the guy's a scumbag but um he's a very <laughs> talented player uh and he makes everyone around him and uh, much much better and even if booker's assists kind of like go down a little bit booker all around will be a better player and aiden is going to thrive like pick and roll aiden's going to thrive all day i kind of hate that the um uh... Abdul Nader also went with Chris Paul from the Thunder to the Suns. So that's another versatile wing guy with good size who uh, the the Suns might use with Kelly Oubre gone. The small forward and power forward roles are solidified with uh, Michael Bridges or Mikel Bridges and Cameron Johnson. So that's going to be really interesting expecting both those guys to play uh, consistent big minutes. You're going to get a ton of three pointers from Cameron Johnson. You're going to get a decent number of three pointers, not as many as we, you should from Mikael Bridges. And then you're going to hopefully get some gaudy defensive numbers from Mikael Bridges as well. Yeah. That team's kind of built to be super like young, quick, versatile, and large at most, uh, at most positions. Like it's, it feels like a team that, the way they can maneuver themselves into being competitive is to um, run as much as humanly possible. I don't think Chris Paul's going to want to do that. Um, uh, on the flip side of that, they're not a team that I, I think you know matches up with the the elite in the West very well. Like I, I, I mean, nobody matches up with LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? So you know, whatever. But, no, um, but that should be the goal. Like when you're building goal, yeah. a team, you like like talking. Even if we were to bring it back to the Bulls eventually, that, that was that's what you would say. It's like what what things do this does this team need to get to be able to match up? Because if you're aiming for a championship right now, in the next couple of seasons, you're gonna have to beat LeBron and AD. Like that's that's who or, you have to go through. Or KD and Kyrie, or Steph and Clay. Like I I let. Let's not throw those guys out with the bathwater just because LeBron, uh, you know, maneuvered his way into a, a another if you championship guard, clutch sports. Like let's he they're still the team to beat. And Anthony Davis is you know Chicago native. Anthony Davis um, is still like probably the top three player in the damn league. He's he's absolutely insane. They're the guys to go through. Um, but with a completely healthy NBA, I, I think the, the contending gets a lot more interesting. Well, it's just funny when you have a team though, like the Portland trailblazers who has a lot of good pieces on it, but then they don't 
really have anybody to guard LeBron. They don't have anybody to guard AD. And it's just like, if you have players who can guard LeBron and AD, those guys can step up and guard anybody. You know, they can guard the other big players in the league. They can guard Steph Curry, Seth. Uh, They can guard Kyrie. That's, but that's not to say that those guys are easy to guard. I'm not saying that, but like you need to have somebody who can actually put a hurt or put, get into somebody's head. Yeah. Frustrate these dudes. And Jimmy Butler is the king of frustrating dudes. Um, and that is why, you know, I will still stand for Jimmy Butler, uh, and declare him the finals MVP because what he did was easily the most valuable playing in, in the finals. Like he was uh, the fact that he was throwing triple those together and guarding LeBron every single night. Um, I mean, that's, I hope that's not the peak of his career, but like if that's the level he could play on this year, I'm really excited about the heat because they, they are built to kind of, beat anyone like they're 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 built in a similar way the suns are but they're actually built to beat people and jimmy butler is better than devin booker and uh bam out is better than uh, deandre Aiden. like that team all around is i think also a contender in the east um with you know the absurd talent of kevin durant and Kyrie. they are but okay the nets who who's gonna guard lebron Who's going to guard AD? KD can't guard them both. No, and I don't think he can really guard either of them. Like, it's not like KD is a is a menacing defender. And I know you're going, you're going back a long time, but back when KD and LeBron first met up in the finals, LeBron sunned him all day, every game. Just LeBron's yeah. always going to be able like to overpower KD. And, and if KD is your... You can't have Kevin Durant be your primary defender. So, no. and like, that's the team that even if, even if the Nets get James Harden, that's the team they're building. One with Kev- Kevin Durant as a primary defender. Good luck. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm completely, he's just long, right? He's just seven foot and can be in the right place and is super athletic and can, you know, hopefully still uh, jump and block shots. Right. But you, you surround, if he's the, if he's your anchor, uh, your team's gonna be okay. Like Ibaka, is, Ibaka was always the big anchor, and Draymond oh, wow. was always the big anchor. Well, I mean, you know? Ibaka's Ibaka's a, a great guy who should be on people's radar because Ibaka can at least go out there and do something against AD. So, mm-hmm. so if the Lakers sign Ibaka, that's just another hilarious situation where it's like, okay, not only do they have a good guy at center now on their team, but they've also taken away somebody who would have been a problem for them if they ran into the guy or who would have at least put up a fight against, you know, being a good matchup. Um, That's that's a smarter move than moving Danny Green, I think. If you trade for Harden, too, for the Nets, look, I mean, don't get me wrong. How can they do that? Well, I mean, you're going to include Jared Allen and and whatnot. I don't know how. I I, I haven't done the math. Yeah. But people were making it sound like it could all fit together. So if – Well, what does that team look like? Harden, Kyrie, KD, me, you, uh, the dog from the movie that shoots the basketball. Like who else is on that team if they trade literally everybody on the damn team away? I mean, you don't need much else if you do have those three for sure. But – Can you make it with Dinwiddie and – was Dinwiddie a free agent? I think he is. No. Yeah, uh, so, no, Dinwiddie's got Dinwiddie's still there. So they, he's DeAndre, one he's one of their trade pieces. Karis Levert is one of their trade pieces. Uh-huh. 
Uh, Jared Allen is one of their trade pieces. Thing is, I think Der- Jared Allen's one of the better options to guard AD in the league in regards to e- even if just potential to guard Anthony Davis. I like Jared Allen. I like him a lot. He looked really good too without uh, all the uh, scraggler nets that I don't know why DeAndre is still there. Like I know why he's there because uh, you know to get yeah, it's good old boy. There, right? But uh, Jared Allen is very talented, and he's he's. Uh, uh, the new, like the, the new age centers is kind of what, like all these centers, you cannot be a center anymore, uh, without making a three pointer. Um, you cannot be a center anymore without, you know, approaching uh, a good center in fantasy anyway, uh, without approaching like 10 rebounds a game. And like, there's quite a few guys who are like close to 20 points, close to 10 rebounds a game, hit threes. Um, you know, obviously the top of that crop being, uh, Carl Towns, uh, but you could find quite a few guys who fit that mold sinking like all the way down to Thomas Bryant and, um, you know, uh, Jared Allen. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. There's uh, the, the nets, if they get hardened, don't get me wrong. It would be a lot of fun to watch those three sure. guys Maybe. play together. Oh. And, and I I'm open-minded to the idea that they could just shoot their way to the championship. Totally, totally oh, that, possible. In the, in the East, of course. <clears throat> but um, if they happen to run into AD and LeBron, I'm that's 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 just where I'm I'm sitting there and I'm going, good luck. I don't know how you solve that problem. That'd be a fun series, though. Oh yeah, heck yeah, absolutely. Um, I yeah. well, so Harden is apparently requesting a trade or saying that he's interested in, in going different places. I think it's so stupid. A lot of these narratives that have been on the on the internet this week where people are like, oh, can't you see Harden can't mix with another star? He can't. Harden's the problem. And it's just like, y'all are insane. The multi-time MVP is the problem? Yeah. Um, okay. This guy is so good, it's ridiculous. And he is the kind of player that you build around. If anything, the blame goes to Daryl Morey for not surrounding – Harden with the right pieces, and What's that's that? where the blame is. You don't blame Harden. Yeah, I mean, it's well, like it's not like it's a cakewalk to the NBA Finals in the West, right? They, the, Maury. By the way, there's tons of talk back in the day when Steph Curry um, and squads eventually signed KD. They were already dominant when they before they signed KD. They signed KD and basically all these different like GMs and managers said they're basically gonna punt for the next three years because there's absolutely no point in competing with the super team, right? Maury did not. Maury did not do that. I think you should get some credit for that even if you didn't build the perfect team. Um those teams competed. They lost, but they competed. They and, and there's that weird hardened shooting game. Uh, I'm not going to blame him for that. Like that was on him. Right. But like, I'm not going to say he's a terrible player because of that, but they lost in the playoffs every year to the contenders. Eh. That's yeah, better than a- scrounging the damn bottom of the league. Like Detroit has been for the last X amount of years or exactly. Orlando who's in no man's land every single year or your trashy bulls or the bulls who have been irrelevant and poorly run for like, the no, that, that's that's maybe even the the better point that you just made is the fact that like people just aren't appreciating how good the Rockets have been during this tenure and, and, and realizing like, yeah, they, they haven't been able to get through LeBron, Steph Curry and that whole squad. And then 
you know, you know, KD and, and Kawhi. That's not a surprise. It's you a have to have a really and and all of those guys have had better teammates than James Harden has. So shut up with deriding James Harden as being like the the issue. I mean, the, the Rockets should not be trading Harden. They should be mm. if they can get away from Russell Westbrook. Like some of the first Russell Westbrook, West, Westbrook number, uh, trade rumors were the idea that he'd be going to the Clippers in exchange for Paul George. Are you kidding me? I mean, we've no seen crazier yeah. stuff happen in some respects, but that's a crazy trade, and the Clippers would be idiots to that. It would never happen. Absolutely never happen. Clippers, Clippers know better. They um, are incredible. They're talented enough to win a championship. They didn't. They didn't win a championship. the The team wasn't like probably meshing like the the as fun as the Toronto team was. And I don't know if Kawhi is allowed or capable, uh, synaptically capable of having fun, but um, it seemed like that team didn't get along. And I know this is kind of like vague and definitely like media rumors and who fucking knows if they got along or didn't get along or if it was Doc Rivers. Nobody actually knows. Um, I mean, like, we did have some photographic evidence on the sidelines of Kawhi yeah. just gunning with, with his eyes, laser eyes at, yeah. at Paul George during the bubble. So there, Paul George... Should have, should have, big fat, um, right in the middle of the court. He took a big old shit right in the middle of the court. Um, both those guys wanted to move home, and then the whole season was spent on the other side of the country in Orlando. It was, yeah, I mean, maybe that's why they were pissed. I don't know, yeah, or, or yeah, Paul George just was like, dude, I want to go home. I'm, I'm done with this bubble bull, bull crap, you know? So, yeah, Jimmy, I think it's putting direct, I think that should put the rest of the, Who's better, Jimmy or Paul George? Is Jimmy Butler? Is Which the player? The 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 NBA has got to bring fans back where they can, where it's reasonable. Or I, I know a lot of people don't think it's reasonable. I think it's completely reasonable because watching the bubble stuff, like when I'm watching through highlights and, and whatnot from the season, and you you're the difference the difference in the bubble stuff and the the uh, the crowd matters, man. It, it just I, yeah, matters absolutely. so much. The crowd always matters. I miss going to fucking NBA games, even though the Bulls were terrible. I would still go to a few caves to see how the, Luka Doncic or whoever was yeah. actually coming to town. Um, I I hope they figure out a way to do it, and I think there is a way to do it responsibly. I think reacting one where the uh, one far saying like never have a person in a room with another person to the very far <laughs> right of just saying like we should have everyone in the same clown car together. I think both of those views are fairly uh, extremist and, and nonsense. I think what you can do is you can increase testing. You can have better developed tests. You can ha- limit the amount of people who show up to a game. You can uh, section off areas where uh, people arrange tickets. Uh, I always think and a lot of with COVID and a lot of with the, the sports around COVID, the way they've reacted, I always think these things are a lack of imagination. Yep. Because they've always done things in a certain way and it's always made them money and they're too afraid to change because why would we change? Well, this is like, hopefully, fingers crossed, once in a lifetime event, uh, but uh, at least a once in a generation event. Um, you got to think outside the box when um, an act of God happens, right? Like you, and if you don't, you won't adapt. And I think no one really thought out, no one's thinking, very few people are thinking outside the box when it comes to this stuff, or it's just a lack of imagination and a lack of a, a willing to take risk. Now I don't want to put anybody at like real risk, like, you know, like 
you know, possibly getting sick and dying risk. Right. Um, and I think you still err on the side of caution, use science to your advantage and uh, uh, allow people to responsibly in, enjoy things. Uh, but if people are going to abuse that, that enjoyment by being irresponsible, then it ruins it for everybody. It's like the idiot kid who would talk uh, when you're lining up for recess and make everybody sit during the next week of recess. Why are you talking kid? You do something for the greater good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, more than anything, I think that they can, uh, you can figure it out. You can figure out a way to do stuff safely. You don't have to just pull the uh, pull the cord on it and say, we're done. We're not going to have fans anymore. Just figure out a way to do it safely. You can, yeah. we, we go, we all go grocery shopping safely. It's not that hard. And there's a capitalistic incentive to do that, um, to, to figure out a way to do it safely, both like from the fact that you don't want to like have an insurance claim when you killed like 17 people who went to your game, but also like on the flip side of that, you're losing billions and billions of dollars as a, as an NBA owner by not having the revenue from having these games. I completely understand when this was March, April, May, uh, being like, we don't know, and this is a, a brand new virus. They learn stuff about it every, you know, few months. They learn something new about how it affects the body, how it lingers, how for some people it um, uh, can pass easier versus other people. They learn something new about it every day because it is brand new. I understand when the science is raw and early to take all the precautions in the entire world. We're learning more about it every day. Let's make some uh, make decisions based on the science and and being responsible. I think you can get. I think we can have people attending games at some point this season. Um, oh, hey, man, we've already spoken for like an hour on basketball stuff. Do you want to uh, transition into any politics and religions talk? I mean, sure. Well, um, I wouldn't mind doing okay. that. Um, I see. That's just it. I, I know a lot of people. If you've listened to the first eight episodes, you're like, man, they're really just going hard on the basketball. The last couple episodes, um, it's going to be a lot, a lot of basketball while everything's getting kicked into into gear and and yeah and there might be episodes where i don't talk politics or religion at all just because it's like we're having too much fun talking basketball let's just stick with the it's, stick with the easy listening it's basketball um, time right like uh, you i came in at basketball time I actually originally when we talked i was coming in to talk about the election uh and then by the time uh, you know i got my life together um it was basketball time so i'm yeah. totally fine with talking about basketball i think we should at the very least talk about the election Okay. Um, and then I'd be I'd happy to come back and get well, more into the the deeper uh, philosophical views of religion and, and politics that I uh, well, claim to hold anyway. Oh, Mike, uh, give us the hot plate on you. What's your political journey been like through your life? Did you grow up with certain views, and have they changed over time? Um, I they definitely changed over time. I hope that happens to everyone, right? Because um, you go from being a very inexperienced human being with very little knowledge to a more educated one at the, at the very least. Uh, I grew up in central Illinois, right place, right, uh, right time to be a Michael Jordan uh, forever Bulls fan. Um, it was the, you know, I was born in the mid eighties. Uh, so basically my entire life, uh, Michael Jordan existed in my life. Um, I'm very short. I cannot play basketball, but I love basketball. Um, and that's how I ended up, uh, you know, still being interested in basketball all, all these many years uh, Are you later, under two foot? I'm around two four. Two four. Wow. Yeah, two four. That's, uh, I could cross people over though. I'm quick. Yeah. Go, you go between their legs. Go between the legs. Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy when you're that small. Um, the the ball's a little big though. Um, but yeah, I grew up in a very small rural uh, farming town. Uh, manufacturing had left. 
um, by the time I was old enough to understand anything, um, you know, by the time I was in early grade school. Um, and I would say I, I grew up religious. I grew up uh, being raised in the church, but my uh, politi politics and religion were never forced upon me. Uh, my parents uh, allowed me to make my own decisions. They allowed me to discover the world at my at my own pace, which sometimes was fairly quick for them, I think, uh, as they've told me. And um, there was never like a, you must think this way, you must do this, but it was more so like, uh, especially for my mother, um, you know, be kind to other people, like the very, the very like philosophy of Christianity, be kind to other people, realize that uh, no one can judge other than the Lord. And I, I definitely, as I got older, uh, developed my own views of, of spirituality. I got away from organized religions as I went to college. Um, and I probably didn't have really a political standing until high school into college. And that was probably like the it was right in the Bush years into 9-11. And once 9-11 happened, obviously everybody had uh, developed a political uh, affiliation, I think. Is, is what year did you graduate? Uh, high school? Uh, 2002. Okay. So you were, yeah, you were in high school, in class when it all happened or when you found out and whatnot? Yeah, we sat around and, and watched it all day. Yep. And so, yeah, I think that's weirdly usually in people's lives, there's like one or two of those. And I think in our lives we've had about uh, like four or five of those, like it's um, exponentially increasing the amount of kind of like, I guess we're a more global society. So that, that makes a lot of sense. But uh, uh, those touch points really do change the way the view, the global view of the world. And I, I don't know if I, um, I don't know if I have like a particular way of explaining what I what I mean by that, but just like the the for the lack of a better word, I'm going to use a terrible word to describe it. But the 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 vibes of society uh, change on those moments, um, and that's a really stupid word to use, but I th it does kind of describe it, I think. And so I think that was for me a turning point to get involved in that kind of stuff. And I don't know, as I've gotten older, um, I gotten further away from religion but at one point i think i went from just being like staunchly anti-religious to maybe even like closer as i'm into my 30s um at least adhering that the unknown is sort of spiritual in a weird way yeah yeah and i think a lot of people maybe end up back into christianity i don't know if i ever will um but or just religion in general but i think like spirituality is healthy because in a way like that idea of religion has lived with the human species for like 10,000 10, plus years. So it can't be all bad. It is, it, it could be used for bad. It can be used for control, but it, all, it can also be used for like personal peace. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's what most people try to use spirituality for. I think is to find, so. to find their own balance, to find their peace of mind. Um, and, uh, yeah, spirituality for me is is pretty much just like, can I find my balance? Can I, if if I if I'm feeling exhausted or off balance or frustrated or pissed off or whatever, can I uh, can I realign myself? So, and I also just spirituality for me is uh, it's it, it is the unknown. It is the realizing like there's I don't I have a very limited perspective of everything and. 
Yeah, everybody. And, like, and, and that's getting filtered through my other perspectives and other experiences and whatnot. And um, <clears throat> something weird that I've noticed over the last couple of weeks being back in my hometown is like, I have so many different uh, subconscious like memories or emotions that get triggered when I'm walking around my neighborhood or going to, to old places. And, uh, and I think a lot of people have those, you know, those little things, those little scratches in the record that stick with them throughout their life in, in different areas and different places and whatnot. Um, but being away from here for 10 years and now being immersed back in it, it's, 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 it's made me realize too, like some of those old tinges or feelings that reside in a certain place or, or, uh, in a, in a, in a memory, like I need to learn how to let some of that stuff go too, or not be influenced by it. So I don't know, just a little observation if we're talking spiritual spirituality. Yeah, I think, um, for better or worse, a lot of people spend a lot of their life trying to escape their past. Uh, whether it was a good past or a bad past, they they want to be the person. They, uh, I, I think, anyone who's like at least like remotely active and trying to be a better human being um, is always trying. Is probably heading towards a a destination that doesn't exist. Um, as long as you're headed towards being trying to be the person you want to be, or like, um, and maybe this is where my spiritual philosophy is. It's like as long as you're headed towards uh, trying to be a better person for yourself and society um i, I think you're on a, you're on a good path even if you never reach a destination because probably there is i mean there is no actual destination you you don't stop evolving i i think a lot of people i mean i don't know if you've ever i'm sure you've heard the uh the the phrase like never peak in high school like don't like people who peak in high school suck and you and people you know who those people are and if you don't, you might have peaked in high school, and I'm sorry. Um, but those people suck because they stopped evolving. They stopped wanting to participate and understand the world, and they wanted everything to stay the way it is. And maybe I they were very, just awesome. Uh, yeah, maybe they were awesome oh, yeah. in 19. Awesome in 1996 is not what I would consider awesome in 2020, even for me personally. I probably I don't know if I would like Mike from 1996. I, I don't the, know. The person you, you watch Cobra Kai. Uh yeah, some of it actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, you're kind of describing Johnny. Okay, yeah. It's kind of it's pretty much you know, like, he was stuck in he was stuck in being the uh the dirt bike riding red leather coat wearing I, uh kid. I will admit I went to a drive-in uh concert. Uh, at Toyota Park in Chicago, or the Fire Play, um, and it was sponsored by the Warp Tour. So if you want to, if instead of driving around in my Thunderbird and listening to the, the bad '80s music, uh, I went to a Newfound Glory concert. Oh, that was my uh, I needed some nostalgia in my life type of uh, situation. Oh, was it hit or miss? It, they play. I think they played most of that album. Oh, see, you, you got it. Yeah. yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of. At a certain age, I was a very big fan of Newfound Glory. Did they play any of their uh, their covers? Because they do like to do the, the movie cover songs. They did. They uh, they played um, "I the Tiger." Okay. Um, and I, I think they played another cover that I don't remember. It was actually really weird. It was um, they were playing to a giant parking lot. Yeah. And they were like, "Flash your horns!" Or, "Hit your horns!" <laughs> flash, flash, your, your horns. "Flash your lights!" 
People, cars in the back, flash your lights. It was a very <laughs> surreal experience. Yeah. Um, and then they showed the movie Beetlejuice right afterwards. It was a very weird time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I went. I hope I never have to go to something like that ever again. Right. Are you just headbanging in your car? I guess that's what you would do anyways uh, when you're yeah. driving around. But anyways, weird, weird situation. But yeah, that's this year. Um, I, I guess you, you said you, you mentioned the election. Is there anything about the election that you wanted to talk about? Um, at this point in time, where a lot of people have kind of assumed that Biden has is going to win or has won, um, whereas... If you're on social media, you can definitely see a bunch of different narratives about the whole situation. Um, I guess, what is it that stands out to you about the whole election situation right now on November 16th? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to talk about the election, so I'm glad you had me on. Um, I'm also glad we're talking about the election right now instead of like the day before, the day of, the day after, because of the fact that there was just so much um we don't know a lot of misinformation which is the theme of probably the rest of our lives uh, hopefully not um and the fact that you can find any narrative you desire to find yeah. um and i think that's really the most surreal thing now that there is um there has been um uh, a decision based on the math uh, that networks have made that they think the electors will vote for in December when the electors show up. I've done my, uh, you know, done my reading on this. Um, and which is how every modern election has happened. It's been called by news networks based on the math. Um, and then usually, you know, uh, the math is pretty apparent and someone concedes this time. The math is pretty apparent and a person is not conceding, which is a, is a super dangerous precedent. I, I personally think, um, in a, in a, in a functioning democracy that doesn't happen. Um, now you certainly can make a lot of arguments that, um, maybe this isn't a functioning democracy. And I think you would find people on both sides of the coin that would have wholeheartedly agree with you um but the the idea that um you know these elections are more stolen you know you there's probably voter fraud in every single election but like to think that this is like a mass a conspiracy um of voter fraud and and uh, a multi-state cabal of um just like organized crime based in of pedophile rings is is pure fantasy and, and nonsense in my, in my opinion is that like once you i mean you can steal the election you could steal the election without there being a pedophile ring exactly uh, I, I agree i think that's what kind of what i'm saying is like people who love conspiracy theories like to fill in the gaps and the gaps are always so fantastical that they actually negate the idea that there is a reality. There is probably a pedophile ring out there that needs to be broken up or, or more uh, that, uh, but to, to equate it to mysterious people on the internet is, is absurd to equate it to uh, the sitting president is also absurd. Uh, the deep state, it does do propaganda, but is the deep state controlling uh, everybody's life? Probably not. Like it, the, the fantasticalness of it. And I think that's what's going on with this election is that there's this fantastical idea that um, 
you know, all these people who are supporting one side, and that's the problem. There's two sides. Uh, it's it's the sporting of it. It's not, you know, democracy. It's not, uh, I would ha happily get rid of the two-party system. But there's one side who is desperate to believe, actually both sides are desperate to believe anything that will get their side uh, in power. Uh, but to go to the far extremes of, I would say, you know, violence, uh, breaking, uh, seceding from the country, um, or trying to um, hijack an election is, I think, is, is a horrible state to be in and a horrible sign for the future of the country. What I don't like about the current situation is how much ambiguity there is because you do have both sides saying, we won. Um, yeah. And the media is all saying... Biden won. Uh, Trump, his lawyers, other people are coming out and saying, we won, and there's this sweeping corruption that's out there that we're going to show everybody about. Yeah. And I, I think it's fair to say, hey, I think there's sweeping corruption, and we're going to put lawsuits in place, and we're gonna, we want to find out whether or not there was voter fraud in these states, and we're going to look into it through the judicial system, but to declare that you – you won before you find out that it was fraud seems a little premature. Well, that's, well, and, and that's kind of the point um, I'm getting to in, in regards to all this is like, if, if, if you can prove it, prove it. But like, yeah, cool. We are so divided in regard, you know, there's so many people who like, you know, they think the very worst things are going to happen if, if Trump wins another, uh, another term. And there's a lot of people on the other side who think, a lot of bad stuff will happen if, if Biden wins. So yeah, they think the world's coming to then. I, when I visit my, um, uh, which is rare at this point during this particular, uh, time. But when I talk to my friends or when I've, uh, you know, I visit my parents, uh, outside and, and saw some friends from home outside, uh, this summer, I, uh, because you live in Chicago and Chicago's very liberal, right? I live in Chicago and Chicago is a lot of things. Um, it, uh, votes, uh, usually in, in a liberal way. Um, there is a very huge problem with the, um, democratic, uh, um, party, um, and how entrenched and insufferable and corporate shills they are as well. I mean, I think both parties are kind of beholden to their, the, the people who pay them, um, yeah. and in, in some States, um, the underdogs uh, do have more, I would say, you know, for a lack of a better word, purity when it comes to the uh, uh, election. But none of them are none of them are pure. Um, and the more entrenched you are, the the worse it gets. And that's why I'm very, very, um, I'd say, against the two party system. But in Chicago, what we are doing is, you know, believing that we need to wear. We're, this is a dense, populated city with public transportation. We believe that we need to wear masks when we're interacting with other people. We we interact with thousands of people a day just by walking down the street or going into a grocery store versus like, Oh, there's my cousin at the, who works at the grocery store. And it's like, Oh, that's my teacher from third grade. Who's getting eggs. Like, so you're kind of reflecting on the difference in, because you said you grew up in a rural situation. So yeah. you say when you're talking to some of your friends from, from that rural background, are, are you, you're essentially saying like they have more of the conservative mindset. I would say some of them do. Um, it's definitely um, a spectrum. 
Okay, yeah. Uh, Which is good because yeah. that's that's the whole point of this podcast is like like I want people to kind of see that like everybody's view is very nuanced yes. and based off of like, you know, a lot of different angles of their own perspective. And again, that's uh, that's the point of this podcast is to be like just if you can give people long enough time to share their opinions, you're going to see like it's it's not like most people are coming at things from a, a good, hopeful perspective, wanting the best things for everybody. And I, and I hate that it often gets painted in the way of being like, you're on one side or the other. And if yeah. you're not on my side, then you're my enemy. And it's like, well, in an 80 character communication is no way to discuss the, the nuances of um, what you think and believe society should be. Um, and I, I, I completely agree with that there's so much more nuanced where, and you can hold um, what some people would consider right opinions and left opinions in the same brain. And it actually make logical sense. You know, I, I think I'm a, a little bit more, uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't trust authority and government. And I don't trust anybody who completely does because that's scary. Yeah. Um, and I'm a little bit more libertarian when it comes to privacy, uh, when it comes to um, drugs and abortion and what you can do with violence. Very libertarian views, which would be considered right in this country. Um, but I'm also very, uh, I have some very left views uh, where I think there should be more uh, worker workers rights and uh, health care for everybody and, and that we should use the common uh, the taxes for the common good. And I, I don't uh, terribly care for absurdly uh, ultra wealthy rich people um, not uh, paying paying less percentages to society than the working class. Um, which is considered very, I would say, probably a left view, left of the Democrats, even because they uh, they struck down uh, Bernie Sanders quicker uh, and mobilized for that quicker than they ever mobilized to to strike down Trump. So, well, and I was a huge Bernie guy, and one of the reasons why I'm open minded to this whole corruption spiel that the the Trump team is spitting right now about the election is because I felt watching the primary so closely in 2016 between Bernie and Hillary, I felt like a lot of the stuff that's being talked about right now in regards to the 2020 election and Biden and Trump, I feel like those programs and those, those different ways of committing fraud or stealing votes or hacking machines. I think, well, I think a lot of those, those methods were used against Bernie. So like, even if I don't like Trump as a person, if I'm evaluating things and I'm saying, okay, the people that I think use it against Bernie, it's not that hard for me to at least entertain the idea that it might, that it might've happened again or that, it, or, you know, but then again, like, I don't really know, but that's this all happened. I've we, never, we, 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 I, I don't we know how to you. get into one of these machines and evaluate yeah, that. Sorry. You never know. Right. And, but, but like, that's the thing that like so many people who, who, who like, like I have my opinion, but I realize I don't really know anything. No. And there's so many people who will take Say, on a, 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 an opinion and, and they want to judge other people based on that. And it's like, do you really know? You think, you know, but do you really know things? And I don't think people know. <laughs> yeah. And I think like, I, I don't know if like that's, um, um, whether we were um, more exposed to um, kind of like uh, like philosophical ideas at a certain age through some sort of uh, random cartoon or, or media that allows us to go, yeah, I will never be able to know something. And that's how 
actually the universe works. Like we yeah. know like nine, we, we know like point, you know, zero one of percent of how the universe works in the first place. Like, uh, and, and for people to staunchly, you know, almost religiously say that they know what the truth is. Um, when, you know, the media is controlled by four corporations and, um, there's really actually no way to vet truthfully what you find online. Um, and you have to choose, you personally have to choose what you believe, uh, from the, the sources and, and the, the knowledge of those sources that you have versus what you don't. And I think a lot more people, um, have the ability to parse that better than others, but no one has the ability to perfectly parse it. No, because you're just not going to have that omniscient point of view. And then like I've talked on this podcast about with other people, there's certain little tests that you can do where you can, you can see that your perspective is not always right or that you may not be consuming information in the right way or that just the understanding that two people standing in the same room can have completely different perspectives of the exact same event. Yes. And that's so. kind of exactly where um, uh, when I've, when I, the discussions I've had with people from where I used to live, uh, when they know I live in Chicago. Uh, they understand that there was, um, there was multiple nights of unrest here um, and they, were asking me about the riots and there were two nights over a span of three months where there were stores um, broken into throughout the city. Um, and that was it. It wasn't 40 days of riots. It wasn't uh, cop precincts being burnt down. I know that actually happened in, in, in Minnesota, but you can also look at that. Like, well, how did that happen? Why did that happen? There's a lot to unpack there. But I, I, I informed them that like I walk around outside my house just fine. And the very first night um, was pretty much the only real full citywide riots. And there was another night in, in, in some neighborhoods a few months later. Um, the stores that are two blocks away from me got broken into. Uh, it was like a, some sort of like cricket wireless store and then a subway. Um, a lot of the smaller shops, like the liquor store didn't get broken into. Uh, a lot of the smaller shops didn't get broken into. It was people looking for goods and actually committing real robberies. They weren't coming into homes. I never felt scared. Uh, they, they know better to, to, to like, you know, actually commit uh, crimes against other people because that's how you get the cops to come down on you in this city. Um, and so that was it. There was two nights I've never felt unsafe walking around my neighborhood. Uh, I've been to multiple neighbors all over the city. People are eating, eating out in the streets when, uh, when they allowed outdoor eating. Uh, it's been a perfectly fine and safe summer. But that is not the perspective that the people who I uh, know from downstate have of what's going on in Chicago. They think uh, cars are burning uh, and that you know the cops are being assaulted every single night. And really, there was more assaults by the cops on protesters than there were vice versa in, in this city over the last, you know, five, six months. And there were sustained protests um, every single, pretty much almost every single day and definitely every single weekend for a very long time. Um, and almost every single one of those was peaceful. And that's not the news that the, that's not the perspective or the news that they are getting um, at all. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, the, the everybody on both sides sells their their narrative of it you know it's the the um the disingenuous oh peaceful profess peaceful protest thing from the right where they're essentially saying like every protest 
comes off like it's violent and whatnot. And it's just like, you know, just acknowledge everything for what it is. There is, there's most of these protests are good people from the community coming out and protesting peacefully. And then what happens is you do have people who come in from outside the community or people who are just not there for, to actually try to represent something good. They're there for their own self-interest and they're taking advantage of a chaotic situation or a situation that can easily turn chaotic because you do have a bunch of people who are in an emotional state, you know, and like, there's people always take there's always, there's yeah. always grifters and there's always people looking to take advantage of situations yeah. it's very um it's a very capitalist viewpoint is to take advantage of every single situation um and so it's not terribly surprising that these these situations have occurred during uh, civil and political uh, political unrest it's just that um you know if you're on the ground and you you're seeing what's happening on the ground and you know you travel 2 hours away and they're there's a fabrication of what reality, the reality that you're actually seeing where you live. It's, it's shocking. And it it goes to show you like how ingrained, like everyone's news source and and perspective from that news source is to the way they see reality. Um, And everyone gets to go find their own news source. Now there is no, like there's no mono news source. There's no mono culture, which is in a way really good. Like you don't want to be misled by like the two, uh, stations that say you know we should get into vietnam right uh or that there's weapons of mass destruction in in iraq those are those are misleading things that happen from our actual you know cia and deep state that act, that as actually is a real thing um it, and the it people who lied about it on camera are still just walking around like nothing happened they're all employed because, because and that's, that's part of the whole idea of the deep state thing and the whole drain yeah. the swamp thing is like the fact that a guy like colin powell who got up and testified that there was WMDs knowingly lied to the American people to get us into a war. And it's just like, that's, that's not illegal. Shouldn't that be illegal? You just, you just, you just, you just started a war. And that administration should be held accountable and, and, and they weren't. And I think sadly that stuff gets used to divide politically when really there is there's a working class and there's a ruling class yeah. uh and the ruling class all go to cocktail parties together uh and they have a really good time uh and the working class works harder and gets paid less um, and i think that's really why the the perspective people should have but like this religious ability to build people around political parties and a po- political affiliation has really worked to control the populace yeah because if if you if if you only have two choices, you don't really have a choice. Um. Anyways, uh, is there anything else election wise <laughs> or politics wise that you wanted to rap about? Like any specific events or oh, anything that's we, going on right now? I thought we got uh, wrapped about uh, some pretty good right. uh, stuff there. I just you know, it's I think everyone maybe it's the world we live in or the year we live in or the political situation we live in, but everyone seems to be really, really focused on the, like the right now. And maybe they should be focused on the right now, but four years from now, eight years from now, 10 years from now, um, there's a lot of insane stuff that people are doing that they will be and should be absolutely ashamed of. There are things that I was doing, you know, 
uh, as a 10, 15 years ago, that I'm definitely ashamed of a- acting in, the, in those particular ways and not respecting other people in particular ways uh, and not having empathy for other people. I'm glad that I developed more empathy for other situations that I didn't understand. Um, and I don't know if it bodes well for the country to to have this sort of, I mean, it does actually does not bode well for the country to have this sort of division, but I think this is, this division is isn't going away anytime soon. The, well, I, I do I do think a lot of the division is is like manufactured. Absolutely. It's it's they 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 want us to think that we're on these two sides of, of a team to make you think that you have to pick one side or the other, and and if you don't, you're if what's craziest to me is is a lot of people who think like if you don't agree with me, you're a bad person. And it's like, just get over that. Okay. You can, there's just, it's, it's a multi-layered situation in a lot of respects. Yeah, there, a are, lot of there are groups on both sides uh, taking you to the streets who want to literally get rid of uh, uh, physically or uh, mortally get rid of the, uh, the, the, the people who don't respect the, their way of life. And I tend to uh, be disgusted by, uh, anyone who wants to like go out and mass murder other people, that's pretty fucked up. But to mass murder people uh, for the, the sake of like, I don't know, like uh, a white ethno state, which is even more fucked up. Right. Or on the flip side of that, um, I, from, from the, really the left side, I think wants to murder people so they can get uh, universal health care, which seems really counterintuitive uh, completely. But uh, I, you know, I, I think you could say like, Oh, we should like, uh, I honestly, I'm a very left person and, uh, I don't hear people saying like, Oh, we should like round up all the cops. Like that's not what people talk about on the left side, but that's what the right side does think is talked about. And it maybe is talked about in a very distinct, small part of the left, the same way, you know, I, I hope white nationalism is a very small part of the right. Um, and I don't want any, either one of those things. To exist. The thing is you you go too far to either side, like the, People want to paint like even if you go read the, it didn't used to be this way, but now Google says that fascism is like a far right thing. No, no, no. Fascism is it's when fascism. you're so far to one side or the other, left fascism, or right, fascism. that you don't allow people to have an opposing thought. That's yeah. and and that that's something I just said. I was like that was one of my main points that I just made that I was so I'm so frustrated about is the fact that like if you don't agree with me. And you can even just say like, I don't know. And it's like, no, you're not allowed to not know. You have to agree with me. And if you don't agree with me that this is the answer, then you're wrong. And you're not only are you wrong, but you're part of the problem. That's fascism. You have to allow people to have their opinion, be themselves. You have to allow them to be wrong in a free society. And I I 100% agree with that. But social media allows us, allows us. Not just uh, is is it's also perf- you know purposely designed to hit these synapses in your brain to keep you coming back in to get mad and to get even and to have these type of reactions because they get more reaction to be a reactionary. Um, but uh, it's it's uh, so social media is a medium for reactionaries. Like they want this type of back and forth because it brings eyeballs and that brings marketers and it's all profit-based. Um, and I think it, it is conditioning us as a society 
to be that type of reactionary when you sit down one-on-one with another human being like we are currently doing right now, um, knowing that we, uh, in certain uh, particular subjects, we do not see eye to eye, we can talk to each other like human beings and respect our each other's existence. Yep. I really don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> um, Believe me, I could, I could rant on this nonsense all, all day long. I, I just, um, perspective is a weird thing. It's yeah. Well, it's uh, <clears throat> agreed. Um, Mike, I'm going to wrap this up with a couple of questions for you. Sure. Uh, I want to know what makes you happy or how do you maintain or find happiness? Wow. That's a loaded question. Um, I don't know. Um, and that's, I, I'm not going to cheap out on this answer. Um, I've, I've had a really rough year not just because of what's going on in the world, but personally, uh, my, my uh, father passed away at the beginning of this year. Um, and um, I think everybody goes through really, everyone does go through really rough times. Some people go through really rough times, multiple times or all the time. Um, and so um, learning with ways to cope with that is still something I'm trying to figure out. Um, doesn't mean I can't be happy. I think I've just been a lot less happy. And some of the things that um, make me happy don't really exist right now. Um, I Traveling motivates me a lot. Uh, I can't do that. Um, yeah. uh, going to concerts is a, is a really fun thing I like to do, and I can't do that. So a lot of things that do make me happy just don't exist for me right now. Um, it doesn't mean I haven't tried to find other things that make me happy, but I've been less happy this year and how to maintain it. Um, maybe full circle is that you have to realize your uh, reality is in your mind. And I don't know if that's a spiritual thing or not, but like your reality is in your mind. And if you can control that, you can, um, you don't have to be happy all the time. Happiness is fleeting. That's why it's happiness. Um, but the ability to n- not, sink into a really 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 dark place is something every person has to work on and um i think that's what uh i i work on to try to keep me happy what did you uh like did you and your dad uh, have like similar interests like was he into basketball at all or did you guys like fish together or do anything like that um yeah he was like much uh much older than, than me when i was born i think he was like 45 and um we, I mean, we had sports in common. Uh, we would talk about the Bulls. Uh, he was a really big Bears fan. I'd make fun of fun of him for that a lot. Um, and I'd always root for literally any other team that wasn't the Bears, just to, <laughs> on his bad side. Uh, and then, you know, now that I live in Chicago, you really don't have a choice of being a Bears fan. I don't really care for football terribly much as as I get older. There's too many. Uh, you know, like suspicious uh, spots of the ball and pass interference. And it's, it's just a frustrating sport for me. And I don't know how much I like watching other grown men give each other concussions. Um, but um, we um, really, where we got along was like, um, I, I had the same sense of humor as him. Uh, he was very dry. He was very witty. He liked to um, put people on, uh, make fun of them and get them riled up and get them, out of their maybe not that out of their comfort zone but to maybe like think about um you know that uh that your day-to-day isn't isn't completely it like yeah. I, I don't remember talking to people be like hey so what do you do for a living like he did he never talked about anything boring 
Huh. Um, he sometimes didn't talk a lot, but uh, he didn't talk about anything uh, boring and he didn't do that with other people. And I, I think people, weirdly, he would give them a lot of shit, but they all, every single person who came up to me, um, either growing up or after he passed away, um, had nothing but ad- admiration for him um, and thought he was a really uh, kind and decent human being. And I think like I try to do that, even though I give a lot of shit to people. Um, and I, I, I hope that comes across in the same way. Hey man, if you're giving shit to people, you're thinking about them at least, you know? Like- yeah. <laughs> the opposite of, uh, of uh, love isn't hate. It's, uh, it's apathy. Yeah. That's a, that's a good reminder. Um, Mike, what are your hopes for the world or the future? Oh man. Um, to survive. Uh, no, that seems too bleak. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's, it, that's a fine one. I mean, in the, in the, you know, with the new lockdown going on around, you know, it's a, it's a good reminder. I was at the, I was trying to take advantage of the bar still being open for another couple of days here in Michigan last yeah. night. So yeah, I bought a round of shots for everybody and I was like, survive, <laughs> like, you know, survive lockdown. Yeah. I, and I, I would, I was kind of hoping the, the COVID would be a paradigm shift in people's brains where like, okay, survival is more important. Um, relationships with people are more important. Uh, my job is not my life. Um, stuff that I try to actually adhere to anyway, but um, I thought it made it kind of very, very plain and clear to me that like relationships and people are are way more important and being stressed about your job isn't, and, and, and having your job be your life isn't worth it. And it was, I hope that, this COVID um, or this pandemic, this situation allows people to eventually realize, maybe if they don't realize it right now, eventually realize that, um, you know, life is, uh, this is going to sound real corny, but like life is short and precious. And um, that um, having, caring about other people and relationships with other people is really like, there's no point to, there's no, in my opinion, no point to life existing. So the only point of being alive is to live. And if you aren't, uh, if you aren't living, that's really sad. Um, and I hope this allows people to realize what they like, what they truly want to live for. And hopefully that's not work or hurting other people, but, you know, caring about other people and, you know, just fucking enjoying themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that's That's hard. That's a hard one for a lot of people to balance this year too, just because it's like you said, there's a lot of things you can't do this year because of the situation, but like that is supposed to be for a lot of people that is a way to show that they care is by being super careful by not going and doing some of the things that, that they would like to. Um, so yeah, it's just a weird uh, thing to try and balance. I think for a lot of people where it's like, I would like to be going out and doing this or doing that, but I don't think it's the right thing to do. It's hard, but like, it's hard for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You're well, not alone. I just, if you are making whatever decisions you decide to make, I'd say be be happy with them or be happy with yourself or find, you know, yeah. Don't dwell in the, the crap. Or if you, if you've made some uh, poor food choices this year, whatever. <laughs> I'm not saying to keep making them constantly. I know I need to make better food choices and things like that, but like, or if you've, uh, it's a very convenient are, Taco Bell for me. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah. I wish it wasn't so convenient. It's, it's a year of okay. Uh, it, it's, it's maybe okay to uh, indulge your vices a little bit more, but it, in the same respect, like it, I know I'm starting to feel the, uh, the, 
essentially, I, I think, I, you know, personally, I'm like, I'm like, man, I got to start working out more. I've got to start eating better. You know, like I've been indulging a bit too much. What, what year did you graduate high school? Oh, one. Oh, one. Oh, we're about the yeah. same age. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there is a certain age where uh, it becomes very apparent um, that you're not going to live forever <laughs> yeah. and that your body is uh, possibly not happy with the last 15 years of drinking or uh, eating like you're a fucking asshole yeah. uh, continuing to do that. And that age is now. Um, and I, it's, it's a weird realization to all, if anyone who's listening is in their uh, mid twenties, knowing that this will happen, but like, not caring versus knowing this will happen and it's happening. They're very two different uh, mindsets. It's just, you know, you're trying to uh, seize the day or whatever and live in the moment. And then you decide, well, if I'm living in the moment, I might as well just get another pizza or, you know, get the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> or like get into recreational drugs responsibly. Why not? It's legal. They're legalizing it all over the place, guys. Find a cool state and go there. They are definitely, uh, doing a, a lot to decriminalize things uh, especially over in Oregon apparently everything's decriminalized now so totally okay with that it's been decriminalized in Portugal for a better part of a decade maybe even longer they Portugal seems to be okay just make sure you do your research and do things safe yes uh, if, be you safe. Do, if you do uh, go down that route uh, I do think there are some spiritual um, steps to or doors to be opened through some of that stuff yes uh, um that may be a conversation for another podcast. <laughs> Do Mike, final question for you. Do you have any other questions for me? Um, yeah, I might as well have at least a question for you. Um, let's say a year from now, what do you want to be doing? A year from now? November? Uh, I'm hoping I'm year and a half from now when the weather is nicer, but oh, I'm hoping I'm living in like Colorado next next year around this time, or maybe somewhere even a little bit more south, uh, because I, I do want to be set up in a warm place for next winter, um, but still working for Basketball Monster, doing doing uh, you know, hopefully the NBA is back on its normal schedule, and we're just you know we're getting together to do a podcast because it's the middle of the season and we're both. You're doing your watch, watching the boxes podcast. I'm doing free range basketball still, and we decided to do a crossover podcast again. So, I mean, that's that's. I just hope for better weather for myself, and uh, you know, uh, groovy atmosphere. And that's a good yeah. place. That that sounds like a good place to be. Yeah, it was it was 70 in Chicago, um, like for a week in November, just yeah. last week, and um, I. This is this is the only way I'm lucky. I'm lucky in this these particular things. The only flight that's ever been canceled for me was when I was in Mexico trying to come back. Oh well, yeah, I had to right. stay another uh, day in Mexico. And um, the and when I go on vacation, the weather is really nice. And I took a vacation, and suddenly it was 70 in, in November. And those are pretty good things to be lucky. I'm not lucky at cards or uh, gambling or <laughs> stock market or any, much anything else. But uh, I'll take good uh, weather being lucky that's a good thing to be good lucky at i played four games of cards with my grandma today she comes over and hangs out with us uh at my parents house on on mondays and i played four card for uh four games with her today and beat her three out of three out of four times she went already angry yeah lay off let her win a few nope that's not the way we play 
What are you? Is this like hardcore gambling, or is this just? No, I mean, we're just betting like a dollar for a game. But take, uh, her, take her whole house from her. It'd be terrible. She wouldn't play without money being involved. So I tried to get her to up the ante on a couple of them. She was like, "No, just we pay for a dollar." I'm like, "Okay, Grandma, you don't want to lose." I respect people <laughs> who uh, gamble but know their limits, and I respect people who respect people yeah. who drink and know their limits. Those are two criteria you need to meet for my respect. Well, uh, I don't have anything else, and I, I kind of need to use the bathroom. So uh, it was good talking to you. Thank you for having me on. I really, I really dude, appreciate it. Thank you for coming on and doing this. Uh, thank you for uh, being flexible on the schedule yesterday. I apologize for that, brother. Um, and yeah, man. I guess just thanks for doing this. This was a this was a fun one. We I, I like that we spent an hour on basketball before we got into the other stuff. And I feel like it, the politics and religion stuff. You the kind you just the way you kind of just uh, leaned into the okay we're gonna start talking politics then we'll do religion and we just kind of grooved into it. That was good. Um, Absolutely, man. It's um, this is another thing that people honestly people don't really have these conversations very often, uh, even with their they're close friends and I, I think more people should, these are really interesting situations about the, like the human condition. Like you should think about these things and be able to have real discussion about this. So I appreciate you uh, giving me a place to have that discussion, man. Well, if you find yourself going down any of the uh, spirituality rabbit holes with tarot cards or crystals and all that kind of woo woo crazy stuff, let me know, man. I've, I've gone down that, uh, that path and we can do a podcast about that crap too. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but uh, I know. <laughs> You but it's, it's, you just start telling yourself you don't know anything, and it's like, well, all right, let's see if magic is real. It, magic might be real. We just might be defining it incorrectly. That's, Who knows? Yeah, yeah, right? Electricity is pretty weird. Electricity um, is weird, and the, the ability for uh, a, a really good band to uh, have a, a thousands of people react the exact same way, is that magic? I don't know. Sounds like it. Yes, me too. All right, brother, you have a great night. Yeah, man. You too. Um, have me back. I'll be. I'll, I'm down. We'll have you on the watching oh, the podcast as well because we're fancy basketballs like right now, dude. It's we're it's like shifting gears, going fast as we can with uh with basketball right now. So yeah, good luck. It's gonna that. be crazy. If nothing else, if if uh yeah, if we need to 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 vent with each other, or if you got if you ever need a guest on uh on your podcast, just come on and talk some basketball. Let me know, brother. Absolutely, man. Take All it right, easy. Have a good night. See you. Peace. Keep tugging at our heels. Watch us high step and be a highlight reel of how high we get. We ghost riders off the ramp, how we live defies death. Put a conscience in the genre box, stamp a certified fresh. Bad boys beyond G depths. You couldn't fathom what we plan to do next. Turn the music on his head, power bomb a suit.